Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Eat Sleep Podcast. Repeat, my name is Dave Taylor, and man, what an episode we have today. Kind of like a Thanksgiving-sized episode, if you will, Uh, because it's uh, nearly uh, 90 minutes with the awesome David Crockett from Jim Crockett Promotions, who's going to be joining us today. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, Uh, you know, uh, Flair, the plane crash, buying UWF, Working with Ted Turner, a, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of history, uh, Charlotte's and, and, and part of Virginia. Uh, we, we go over a lot of stuff. Uh, and why did I get a chance to talk to David Crockett? Well, he's coming to town. VCW, Virginia Championship Wrestling, is doing their Tidings of Destruction event uh, coming up at the Norfolk Masonic Temple on the Saturday, December 2nd. And he is going to be there. Uh, he's going to be doing some photo ops as well. How cool is that? It's also a retirement for uh, VCW Commissioner George Pantas. That dude's been in the business for more than 50 years, and he's going to retire from wrestling as well as uh, being the VCW Commissioner. And uh, David Crockett's going to be there. Those guys have been friends for, for 40 years. We do talk about that as well in the upcoming interview here. Uh, by the way, a little business about us. Eat Sleep Podcast Repeat. That's the name of the uh, wrestling podcast here. We cover all things wrestling, uh, WWE, AEW, you know, times impact and and, uh, and and local wrestling as well. Virginia Championship Wrestling because they got their event coming up again on December second. And uh, what we do is uh, we go over the news. We do some interviews from time to time. Uh, we've had on the show uh, Magnum TA, uh, who's fantastic. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter, who came uh, as one of the shows, uh, and a few other uh, stars like from AEW. We've had Eddie Kingston, who was fantastic. Mark Henry's been on the show. We've had uh, Wardlow been on the show as well. Also, uh, from WWE side of things, well, we've had uh, recently uh, Gunther, who's now the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. Raquel Rodriguez has been on the show. The Miz a couple of times. Chris Jericho a couple of times. Uh, We've also had on the show Drew McIntyre. He's one of our early uh, guests on Eat Sleep Podcast Repeat. Just to name a few. Uh, You can go back and uh, look at all the 300 episodes and and find some uh, great, great interviews. Uh, we've even had Dwayne Gill. We've even had the little boogeyman come on the show. A lot to cover there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, ESPR99. Also, uh, you can find a lot of our early episodes all over the Internet. Just search ESPR Wrestling in your favorite podcast, SoundCloud, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher, Google. Uh, we're listed Apple as well, IMDB. Somehow we're listed there. Uh, very cool for uh, whoever made that happen. And you can find us on the web, 1069fox.com and fm99.com. We're part of a couple of radio stations here in Virginia, a couple of rock stations. Uh, and you can find us under the media tab on those websites. You can also email us, ESPR at fm99.com. And uh, that's how we communicate with you. Also, our Facebook and Twitter page. And we reached out to uh, you know, a lot of different wrestling groups about uh, you know what questions you wanted David Crockett to answer. Well, we go through a lot of those in the interview process, and I appreciate that. Okay, let me run over the card. Uh, again, December 2nd, Regina Championship Wrestling. They're doing the Tidings of Destruction show. It's the show that's happening at the Norfolk Masonic Temple. That's off of Granby Street, Norfolk, Virginia. That's uh, December 2nd. Uh, doors at 6.30, shows at 7.30. Uh, they got a pretty cool matchup here. They got uh, VCW, the former heavyweight champion, uh, Boar, taking on Ring of uh, Honor star Moses. How sweet is that? You also have uh, Joe Keyes, your newest VCW heavyweight champion. He's uh, going to be taking out former champion Brandon Scott for the title. And the Tidings of Destruction Derby, eight entrants in the match. First pin or submission wins 
the match. That is what's going on there. Again, David Crockett is going to be at that show, and that's uh, coming up on December 2nd. Also, uh, I want to mention, too, for uh, for David Crockett, why don't I mention this? Uh, he does uh, some other podcasts. He uh, does uh, something called The Book, which is uh, an exclusive series on adfreeshows.com. As David Crockett sits down with Conrad Thompson, who you're probably familiar with, and talks about the formidable years of the Jim Crockett promotions going month to month, town by town, gate by gate, and the original booking logs of Jim Crockett Jr. This is pretty in-depth of the early days and, and some classic names and some guys that we may not uh, you know, remember. And then you hear, you go, oh, yeah. I remember that guy. Uh, so that is a really cool thing that uh, David uh, Crockett does with Conrad Thompson. As uh, as Conrad, try to get him on the show one time. So without further ado, let's do it. Enjoy the uh, the ninety minutes coming your way of David Crockett on ESPR. You have uh, you have been entrenched in uh, Charlotte. Is is that your whole upbringing? Oh, we're just going to dive right into the interview. Why as well, right? Uh, anytime you want to. Yes, Charlotte is my home, where I was born. Uh, even though that I worked for TBS, Ted Turner, for 15 years, uh, the family lived here, and I had an apartment in Atlanta because there was no sense moving them to Atlanta because I'd leave Atlanta and go you know, somewhere, several different cities during the week. So, yeah, it wasn't. And they were, you know, in high school, almost getting ready to go to college. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 made sense. It's because uh, I know a lot of people made the move down to Atlanta and stuff. And then when they went to, you know, maybe elsewhere, you know, they always got a little homesick, if you will. So you, you kind of did the smart thing and probably saved some money at the same time. So True. True, uh, you know, and the wife sort of said, you know, and and I agree with her. She said, here we would be leaving her base. Yeah, you know, she's not from Charlotte. She went to Queens College here, but uh, you know, she made friends, and why try to reestablish everything down there when I'd be gone? So, well, before you know, I came home as a visitor, yeah. As she would say, yeah. So yeah. So David Crockett on the phone. We uh, yeah, big part of Charlotte, obviously in your life. Uh, so we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit, I guess, with your career, okay. as you mentioned that. And uh, and I know you're coming to uh, the Hampton Roads. We'll talk about Norfolk as well, as you're going to be in town uh, December second at the uh, Norfolk Masonic Temple, which is a, a cool place for a wrestling show. VCW coming in, uh, and, and the cool thing that you're doing at the show. Is that you know you are doing um, some photo ops and stuff, and and, and it's also a, a big part because uh, George too, uh, who's I, I've known for a number of years, is retiring. Uh, George Pantas, I can't believe it, is uh, fifty years in the business. Wow, I've known George. Oh God, I don't know how many years. I guess you could say fifty years, really. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's ever since I started going to Norfolk. Yeah, it was. It was a long time. Yeah, he, he's done a lot of stuff in, in town here. I, I do wonder, now you mentioned, uh, you know, Charlotte and stuff, because that's where you were based in, you know, Crockett Promotions for a number of years. Uh, you know, I know eventually guys obviously uh, bought champion, Georgia Championship Wrestling, which I'll ask about. But how much, because you guys did uh, with Charlotte, I guess, Greensboro, 
Uh, I don't know how much Raleigh was a part of a town, but I know Norfolk was because you guys came to the scope a lot. So, like, how how many memory, how much memories do you have of of the scope, uh, and maybe even Richmond when you guys would do the uh, truck through Virginia? Oh yeah, it was uh, the scope Coliseum. Then we'd also go to Hampton Roads every now and then when the scope was not available, uh, and we wanted to keep a routine up in that area. If you run Richmond, you need to run Norfolk. And you don't want to drive five hours and drive all the way back, even though I've done it a couple of times. You know, it's it's crazy. So that routing would be Norfolk, Richmond, and then Roanoke. Okay. And then back down to Charlotte. And besides, and Raleigh was every Tuesday for the longest time because Wednesday we would tape our shows at WRL-TV there in Raleigh and make our interviews there. And then that's when everybody would leave, let's say, Thursday morning to go to Norfolk, you know, or up in that area. And then, too, we also had Greensboro that sometimes, oh, every Thanksgiving, you know, uh, we wrestled, you know, there at the Greensboro Coliseum, always sold out. Charlotte, uh, you know, for when we first started, we wrestle at the what they call the Grady Cole Center every Monday, along with Greenville, South Carolina, every Monday. Charleston, South Carolina was every Friday. Columbia was Tuesday. Spartanburg, Saturday. Asheville was once a month in the afternoon on a Sunday. Oh, golly. And you Real. never got a day uh, off. <laughs> never, never. It was seven. You know, uh, when my father was alive, he did not do anything on Sunday. And now, one reason is uh, way back when they had the blue laws. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and so you know you couldn't really do much on Sunday. Also, Wednesday was uh, traditionally and probably still is most places church night. Yeah. So why not go ahead and do your TV at WRL-TV and uh, use that to do, you know, we we would tape two shows uh, and then do interviews. Wow. Just come to think of it. (laughs) (laughs) Please please tell me. You it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Please please tell me you're writing a book or you've written a book. Has that been, has that happened? I have not. You know, a lot of people have, a lot of wrestlers, but, you know, in some ways, people won't believe you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it just, uh, you go, you did what? You know, just think about, too, for such a long time, everything was done in cash. Yeah, so yeah. I would take a paper bag full of money. Put it in the trunk. Let's say after scope, we go to Richmond. That went in the trunk. Go to Rona. That's in the trunk. You know, and uh, if you did Raleigh on Tuesday, that was in the trunk. And you just go around and this money's sitting in your trunk. And he, he didn't think twice about it. <laughs> you know, but uh, not today. No. You know, but we do everything, you know, with checks or uh, they'll go ahead and, and deposit it into the bank account, but I don't have to deal with that anymore. 
thank goodness. Yeah, electronic transfer and bam, done. That's it. Yeah. Man. But yeah, it was it, it was something else. <laughs> yeah, a lot a lot of car miles. And then after we went to Turner, Turner bought us air miles. Delta alone I had close to 3 million miles. Wow. I am still I am still using those miles today. Well, no, that's not count. That's not counting American or Northwest or Southwest or United. Yeah, it just it it was crazy. Well, yeah, because you yeah. had the expansion, and then you had um, you know a little, maybe a little bit more bank uh, the the use. <laughs> oh, we had Ted's money. We had Ted's money then. And and Ted Turner was one of these people. He'd let you take ownership, so to speak. But he, you know, I, I'd ask him, "What's my production budget?" He said, "Just get it done." You know, you know, this is, you know, he wouldn't tell you exactly what he wanted. He wanted ratings, of course. Yeah. But uh, you know how you did it, the look. You know, I ended up, golly, having thirteen tractor trailers on the road at any one time. Two television trucks, uh, a generator that would a tractor trailer with generators. I could power the building and everything on that generator. Why? Because one time at the scope, <laughs> the building went down and we had to jury rig power to the television truck off the pizza ovens there at the scope. Wow. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, it was it. Some of the stuff is crazy. I had two uplinks because uh, I had a problem one time. You know that uh, the one of the uplink the uplink didn't work. It kept on getting really hairy. So I said I need two. And some of the people at TBS went, uh, "Why are you doing this? You can't do this. You can't do that." And I said, "All right." You go tell Ted Turner, and you pick it up with him, because then it won't be my fault. It will be your fault. I said, this is called insurance. All that craziness as far as backup, because I, I just, it happens once. I'm not going to let it happen again. Yeah. But, you know, every day, every day was different. You know, people, you know, you get up and do the same thing at work. Nah. Everything, every day was totally different. You know, with the characters you dealt with, with the uh, just transportation, but it, you name it, uh, it was kind. What's uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what, what's talk about the eighties a little bit? What, what, what's start here? Uh, Nineteen eighty four. Uh, not such you guys at the time, but there's the, the big day and you it's probably etched in your mind is black Saturday. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when Vince came in and took over TDS. Now you got to remember too, that, yeah, that deal. That's uh, Georgia. A lot right? of, yeah. Uh, Georgia championship wrestling. There were a lot of different owners. Um, of that at the time. And we thought, you know, and I guarantee we thought everything was fine until 
that happened. You know, that just came out of the blue. You know, money talks. Yeah. But what happened, though, is that Ted Turner and Vince McMahon, that was like oil and water. Yeah. Uh, or or gas and a match. It, it just didn't work. Uh, Did not work. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, to explain to those listening, it's um, so uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling uh, – Sold the Vince. Vince ended up with a time slot on TBS, and it was kind of was a disaster because the show didn't have really current content. It was like a repackaging of his other shows, and obviously a different style of wrestling that uh, pretty much anybody who watched that channel was used to at the time. Right, our wrestling was and Georgia Championship Wrestling was a very fast paced match. You really didn't sit in a hole too long. Uh, Vince was more stand up and showy going to the ring, uh, and uh, quite a quite a few interviews. So you know, yeah, it was totally different, totally different. And Ted didn't like it. Fans didn't like it, and so they approached us. Yeah, it was like, what, like eight months later or whatever, he, he yeah, sells yeah. to you, which I, I, I still find amazing given the history of wrestling that that happened. <laughs> well, if you think about it, we paid for his first WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, so. Yeah, that's right. March 30th, 1984 or 85, you guys sell, and then he's got money to do WrestleMania basically a week later at uh, MSG. Yeah, so it worked out for him. It worked out for us. Uh, you know that. You know it's strange too. I, I look, you know, when Ted bought us, okay, yeah, it's big fish, small fish, and no one. I mean, no one at Turner besides Ted Turner wanted us. Here he here he has all these. Companies, CNN, Headline News, Cartoon Network, TBS, didn't have TNT at the time. That came later. But he buys this, goes in, and says, all right, who's going to run this? You know, who on the board is going to take it over? Nobody raised their hand. Nobody. So he appointed Jack Petrick, who was one of his original people, who, you know, was sort of ready to retire. And... God, we went so, through so many presidents and vice presidents, the executive vice president, you know, until Bill Shaw came around. Yeah. You know, which he was head of HR. And he, I mean, today, I, I talked to him about once every two months, and he said the most exciting time he had at Turner Broadcasting was us. You know, because we were a bunch of mavericks. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were we were Ted's redheaded stepchildren, and extremely proud of it because we had better ratings than baseball, than basketball. It, you know, we dominated any hour that we were on, and so yeah, and that's why they hated us. Plus, we cost less than the Braves or the the Hawks. 
Because you, you stayed in uh, Raleigh well, until it was eight. When did you move to Charlotte for tapings? Was it was it when Ted bought you? I remember this because I remember the studios changing. Yeah. Right. No, we uh, Jim Goodman, who uh, owned WRAL TV, his grandfather started it. Okay. Uh, he was head of production there. And he was brought up the right way. And he was telling us, he said, you know, we can make more money doing what we call one-offs. Somebody come in, do production for a day. They could charge them more than he charged us because we basically occupied two two full days there. Mm-hmm. You know, besides the wrestling and the interviews, they were also dubbing the tapes. We had 82 stations that we syndicated our programs to. Wow. Think about it. And then we'd insert interviews even, you know, into all those programs to specialize them for the different stations. So, you know, and Wayne Daniel was a tape operator here at WRL. And so, well, Jim, you know, said you need to start your own. So, God, and that was before, way before, early, early 80s. Might have been in the late 70s. And, you know, I was tasked at uh, putting a lot of that together, you know, learning. Uh, and I always wanted, I loved the television end of the business. It just fascinated me. You know, because I, and, you know, just sitting, you know, in the truck and, and, uh, uh, I, I actually learned to you know, direct. I did wasn't that much on on being a uh, technical director because there were too many things to do, and I'm watching the monitors. But I, I learned as far as camera work, pulling cable, tape operation, uh, the old Chiron machines, uh, the, uh, splicing cable. Lord, you so now we you, ended up. Go ahead. Your, your your role in that because you were an announcer too, but I mean that that was like stuff you dubbed in post, and then when everything else was going on, you were kind of making the shows run because your role uh, obviously it was part of the business, but you had an on camera role, and then your role off camera was all this other stuff, right? Well, see, I started off camera. Uh, on camera was uh, fake. I lost uh, the flip of the coin. <laughs> we had. <laughs> We had an announcer, uh, and he showed up uh, uh, soft, drunk. And we're going, we can't put him on air. So Jimmy and I, older brother Jimmy, or James Allen, or whatever, Jim Jr., uh, flipped the coin, and I lost, so I had to start announcing. And that's how I fell into announcing. But my, in my love was... And it was, I would, a lot of people hated me announcing, uh, you know, I was a fan. You know, I, I, if there was a match, a dull match, I could not hype it. Could, couldn't, Bob Cottle, he would sort of elbow me and I'm going, I'm looking at it, I go, eh. you know, it just, it, it just, I said, no, it's not going to work. And, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and say, you know, that. Uh, wrestling is a business. So as far as the finish, 
Uh, they told me one time what was going to happen, and it didn't. And I'm going, this is not supposed to happen. I did it on air. You know, this is not supposed to happen. And uh, I, I hear this loud voice. It's my brother in my ear. <laughs> and so I just took the earpiece out. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I said, finally, they said, never tell me what's going to happen. I do not want to know because I am a fan. And, golly, this, it was so much fun, I guess. You know, now, if people don't like, didn't like the way I announced, well. Yeah, who cares about those awards of people trashing whatever? You know, that's just, that was pre-internet hate. But wrestling fans are the most fickle in the world. We know that. (laughs) But, you know, it was, it was more the dirt sheet. You know, wrestling yeah. fans, uh, I never really, uh, it was up the dirt sheet writers. I guess yeah. they had to have something to write about. Yeah, but, eh. Who can we complain it, about? Yeah. 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 They had, you know, they had to create something. So I, I was a perfect target. Yeah, I wasn't polished like uh, Bob Cottle or Tony Schiavone or Gene Okerlund. Uh, that, that just wasn't me. You know, uh, Jim Ross, very, you know, polished, but, you know, he he could get into, and, and even today when he'd call a match and it's a boring match, you'll definitely know it's a boring match, you know, because yeah. he'll just basically tell you. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, if the conversation strays, you're like, all right, well, they're just filling time here because this, you know, there's a, yeah, a you wrestle know, you going on about the much. weather. And, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, last weekend I went fishing, and you know, where are we going to go out to eat tonight? You know, just you know, <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. You know, not every match yeah. is going to be a banger. So, yeah, that's right. So, so eighties. Yeah. You know, you have all all this stuff going on. You got you got the stuff from Raleigh. You, you know, you, you move. Um, all this expansion is happening, and, and I know you guys ended up taking over a couple other things as well and trying to compete. Did it just seem like it was – like, what was the impression? Was it like trying to keep up or like, holy cow, like all this is going on? Like, if we don't do anything, we're going to miss out. Well, the one smart thing we did was TBS. Absolutely. Turner Broadcasting, the Saturday shows. That gave us national exposure. You know, it kept us there. At 6.05, you could be in the kitchen, you'd hear that music, and you'd come. I, I, so, I There was an age, because I, I grew up in the 80s, if you will. I was born in the 70s, but uh, uh, Saturday nights, and, and I loved both at the time, WWF, you know, and I watched NWA and, and the, you know, WCW. Uh, Saturday nights, man, were, were just a treat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, it that's was, what... Uh, yeah, I don't blame people for, you know, the WWF or, you know, uh, I love the comparison. Why not? You, you got it. You know, that's one of, you know, I'm I'm sort of glad AEW is out there, but, uh, you know, it's micromanaged there. They, they're never going to. Yeah, I'll ask you about that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got questions about that. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, this, but the TBS as a kid, like Saturday night, uh, you know, the six to eight time slot, or you know, six to seven if there's baseball. But like, yeah, uh, God, man, it, it was incredible. You know, to see the promos, you know, the Midnight Express, Ric Flair. Uh, you know, at some point, you know, we got the Sting and Luger and the Four Horsemen and everything, yeah. and uh, oh. well, uh, well, too that. 
I don't know what it was about shows at TBS Studios on Saturday, but everybody was pumped up. I mean, we, you you could shoot us and we wouldn't die until a week later. <laughs> <laughs> but the ad, everything was ad. I mean, the interviews, just everything that was going on. Everybody um, was. It was their A game. I mean. I'm sitting there trying to interview Rick and, and Tully and those guys and trying to keep a straight face, and, and they're trying to crack me up. And, and you have people like Abdullah the Butcher eating raw liver on camera, and you're going, oh, my God, we're going to get kicked off television. Or you had uh, Ronnie Garvin as Miss Atlanta Live. Oh, like yeah. be able to do that today. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, just we had J.K. Dillon in a cage as a bear. A gorilla, excuse me, a gorilla. Uh, it just. Were those still taped during the week? How far out? No, those were taped on Saturday. Saturday morning, we would go down there and start taping those shows at 10 a.m. Saturday morning, we'd finish taping the shows, and then we'd leave and go to a town. Yeah, you'd have to fly out somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fly out or drive, you know, because you had the Georgia towns then. Uh, and then, you know, along that way, too, Florida wanted our help. So you're sending talent that way. And, you know, you talk about the, expan- the expansion in some ways was good. In some ways, it was stupid. In that, okay, Baltimore, that, that sort of helped. Baltimore, Norfolk, Richmond, it fits in. You know, as far as travel, yeah. as far as cars, you know, going up to, oh, golly, New York, Meadowlands, you know, those, uh, the, you know, Minnesota, nah. It, it, some of that, and that's when, like, Vern Gagne and group wanted our help uh, as far as promotion off of TBS. You know, it, it was a thought of a one-way street trying to help them all it did was you know we took our talent away and it ended up just costing us money it, it didn't really you know now baltimore you know became a good market market philadelphia eventually did but you know the you've got to have something in between as far as the, instead of it being a one-off as i call it now, was was some of it because like Starcade? I, I think did that eventually. I'm trying to remember right if I got the pay per views right because I remember like the Shy Town yeah. Rumble and stuff, Laird and Steamboat and and Funk and all those guys getting involved. But you eventually like kind of tried to take Starcade out of North Carolina. Was that one of the things, or, or just you know? You kinda... Well, we took we 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 went and did a Starcade in Greensboro and in Atlanta. I did a double. Uh, well, you guys did do some simulcast, like simulcast a, in yeah. both places. Okay. Uh, logistics, you know, was totally crazy. Uh, you know, bouncing back and forth and using the side channel of the uplink as your intercom in between Greensboro and Atlanta. I was in Atlanta. Jimmy and Dusty were in Greensboro. With that, and they eventually got on the plane and, you know, came to Atlanta uh, that evening. 
for the final matches. But, uh, yeah, we shouldn't have, you know, we should have left Greensboro where it was. I mean, Greensboro, they've got a great facility, uh, you know, I think, was it 21 or 22,000 seats now? Yeah. Uh, it's still, you know, you have events there. You have a this, I guess, a WrestleCom that they're having Thanksgiving there in the Greensboro, Winston-Salem area. It's one of their biggest shows. You know, you have the the, the fan base there. So, yeah, that was a mistake. There were a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Well, no, nobody knew. But you know what? You have to roll the dice, right? You didn't know. Yeah, we, you know, the problem is we knew because we saw what Vince was doing. We saw what he did to uh, Vergania and AWA up there and, and anybody else, Canada, as he just rolled over them. He bought their uh, TV rights for each station. You know, in most cases, they were bartering their time uh but uh, he'd come in and just pay for it luckily and the most of the tv stations in virginia north carolina south carolina they wouldn't budge for him they said no why would we take your money when you know uh, these rest the wrestling shows are number one in most cases they're using us as a lead-in to their local news so their local news is number one. Why risk it? Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, and then two, the buildings, some of them, you know, would do it, uh, book it to them. Others wouldn't because we had a, a and any building that you go into, circus, ice capades, Harlem Globetrotters, you have protection on either side. So it might be, Two weeks either side, a like event can't come in. Well, so we did that, you know. And so in the case of the scope, Richmond, we'd go once a month. So we were protected, Yeah, you know, either side. So he didn't like it. As a matter of fact, we went to court over it. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, well, that was the IWA. That was uh, Ann Gunkel. Who Ray Gunkel was at one time one of the owners of Georgia Championship Wrestling. He passed away. Uh, he was God. Here I go. Uh, she was uh, uh, one of Ted Tur- Ted Turner's uh, girlfriends. I guess you might say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I'm going all over the place here. I can remember Ted. All right, the first time my brother met Ted, they were on an Eastern Airlines flight, and both of them were drunk in the skunk. And then they became very good friends because my brother was a sailor. Of course, Ted Turner, you know, uh, the America's Cup, he, uh, uh, he invited um, Jimmy to be his guest on his boat, not the Olympic boat, but his personal boat, yeah. Tenacious to uh, follow the the America's Cup. There was up that up your way, where was it? In oh I can't remember what club it was. But never mind. So that's how it started and then, you know, that relationship helped 
when Vince, you know, took over CBS, you know, the the, the wrestling there. Yeah. Because the, you know, Ted said, you know, uh, you you can help us out here because we're going to get in a lawsuit, and all it's going to do is we're not going to have wrestling. Period. So it it helped help them, helped us, and helped Ted. So 1987, um, you know, the wars are heating up. WrestleMania three happens. It, it's huge. It's uh, Hogan, Andre, you know, 90,000 or whatever, how many people. Um, yeah. Thanksgiving comes around. You guys are getting ready for Starcade. They're launching something new uh, called Survivor Series. And you guys have right. a, a <laughs> I'll say a peeing contest here, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, how yeah. how how much of a pain in the butt was that? Because you wanted to do Starcade on the cable systems, and Vince said, "Well, we'll give you Survivor Series, but if you take these guys, you're not going to get WrestleMania." And because pay per view, new concept, the the yeah. closed circuit eventually going away about two or three years later. But uh, how, what did you? How did you fight that? We ran a two hour special. Well, we had to live with it. But then we ran a two-hour special free on TBS against, uh, I think, his next pay-per-view. Yeah, WrestleMania Four. You had the Clash of the Champions. Yeah, and, yeah, and hurt him. And he started screaming to the cable systems, hey, don't let him do it, don't let him do it. And they, you know, went, uh, the cable systems went to Ted Turner and, Spanked his hand. He came to us. Said, "Now you, you, you proved your point. So we can't do that anymore." So, yeah, because yeah, the cable companies we, are losing money too on this. So they're probably like, "Hey, you know." <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's they could have, as you can see today, cable systems are making money off events, making money off of uh, AEW, making money off of. Um, Impact, I think they play, they do a little bit, and also uh, the NWA by uh, Billy Corrigan. <laughs> yeah, he does a little bit, but you know that's. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they yeah. they, they they may have lost your TV deal. I don't know if you knew what happened. But, uh, they did. They did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had lunch with him uh, several times uh, when he was here, and we talked on the phone, and you know, said, David, you know what? I get this spot, you know, I don't need your help. I fine, you know, but. Did, did he, I mean, that that whole spot with the cocaine or, you know, the going on, um, what, what like, how, how, you know, I guess somebody probably thought it was funny, but, like, if you're a certain guy maybe in that position, like, do you know that's happening or are you finding out, like, after, like, what is this and then dealing with repercussions afterwards? That was not supposed to happen. Because, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll rephrase this, I'll add this to it for you to explain, because I always remember the Terry Funk bag incident with uh, Ric Flair. So you had things happen, like, how do you explain yourself when those situations happen? <laughs> uh, even though they ad-libbed the whole thing, it's, uh, there's certain things you, you're not supposed to do. Unfortunately, like with Terry Funk, in Texas, they can do that. They did it all the time, you know. <laughs> you know uh, and 
you know, with the, the powder, whatever it was, to suggest that I'm sure Billy did not because, you know, Billy's as straight as an arrow. Yeah. So they went off script. You know, it's, and I know they don't have the huge numbers now, and it's not, you know, I don't know if he's in the situation where it's like, well, if I fire these guys, like, can we, you know, like some repercussions for those guys to get his, you know, what could have been a TV deal. I know they're going on the streaming, but dang it, you know, they it would have been nice to have watched him over the air, you know? Yeah. I, it, you know, he was really planning uh, to really go all out. And, uh, he was truly excited about it. The thing is, I uh, what's going to happen if he fires the guys? You know, is it going to hurt? I don't know. It it can't hurt any worse than not getting on the CW. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's. I mean, he he is. You know, in some ways, that could be a death blow. You know, to what he wanted to do, because. You know, you know he watches he watches his money, but this uh, streaming is not going to make up for what he could have gotten. You know, off of a, a cable system. Yeah, it's just not. Yeah. Well, I miss today's. I mean, there's a lot of people cutting cords nowadays. So you know, back when, when you know wrestling is on. You know, over-the-air television, man. I mean, I, I always loved that because it's like, what can I find? And, you know, I grew up in Detroit, and, you know, USWA mm-hmm. would be on. They would run old big-time wrestling reruns and stuff, and I'd see guys I never got to see before. But, yeah, he's in a spot now where it's, like you said, they have the streaming's not there, and he wanted the you know, the grow and hopefully in tour, do the territory thing. And, you know, these guys, you know, shot him in the foot. Oh, I think they did a gut shot. <laughs> yeah, more, more than a foot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, wow. yeah. It, it's yeah. It's I don't. I really don't know what he, you know. I know that he is pissed, but yeah, it's. Mm. I I I mean, for me, I, I I you know, if he can go to the networks, well, now the NXT has that deal, so he needs to go somewhere else and be like, hey, I will. I mean, I can't say, "Hey, you hire me, I'll you know, I'll fire these guys." But he's got to do something to those people. I mean, regardless, I, I think a fine number what? Yeah, they but... can't. They can't. Yeah, they can't get away with it. They yeah. cannot get away with it because if they do, then their respect for him is nil. Yeah, that means they'll do it again. Yep. You know, if you just sort of spank their hand, oh, you were such a bad boy. No, you've got you've got to bite the bullet and. So you're gone, you know, and and not even think. Well, okay, in six months might let you back. No, just right now, just say you're gone. And uh, yeah, well, you know, we had that. You think about not we had people leave for events, and we had to make do. So you recreate, you find. You know, that other something. It's, you know, the, you know, to survive, you have to adapt. Well, yeah, that was always the thing because you would see guys go back and forth. And, you know, I always think of like, 
you know, Steamboat, uh, you know, coming to you guys. Uh, you know, well, Terry Funk right. went over. Terry Funk went over the place. You probably couldn't keep a leash on him for too long, but uh, <laughs> no, no, he was a wild card. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, and you would see guys because, like, in the early NWA days of the '80s, with Greg Valentine, Roddy Piper. Uh, and stuff, and then you would see them go, and some of them would change, some of them would, would kind of be the same, or they would get a tweak, or because of rights, their names would change, or whatever. Um, right? Are, are there guys that you wish you were able to hang on to in the eighties? Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper, definitely. You know, and it's weird because uh, like people probably don't realize he was a face. You know, for, for the the big dog collar match with Valentine and everything else, and that was, I mean, holy cow. His gift of gab, man. Rival, he and he and ben, uh, Rick, their interviews together or against each other were classic. And what a nice person! We'd be, let's say, riding to Norfolk, and he'd be writing constantly, writing down on a legal pad things he'd hear on the radio. He'd be reading as far as current news to add into his interviews. He never stopped learning. And, you know, he nothing was stale about him. Nothing. And then when he went to Vince, he, he said, David, I just want to let you know, I will not come back into this area for him. If he, you know, hired me to do that, I am not going to do it. He never did. Wow. Yeah. And and he, you know, of the air, like he traveled a lot, but like because of his persona, he, you know, he didn't really wrestle all the time. You know, he was always kind of a, would do the interview or, or you know, run in with the face or whatever. And then, you know, that was it. Cause you know, you, you just see him talk more than Russell. You know, he wanted to see him get beat up, but then, it, but when it, he fought, it was like a big thing. Right. Yeah. And, and his interview, that's his interviews. Were such, yeah, you wanted to see him get the hell beat out of it. And, you know, and just that grin, you know, that, that his that eyes would light up. And he just had that cackle. Oh, yeah, it's so good. So good. Yeah. You know, one thing with interviews, like from him and from, from you doing them um, you know, during the TV tapings and stuff compared to now, uh, those segments, interviews, might have been what ninety seconds, two minutes. Now you know the start of Raw, SmackDown, uh, sometimes Dynamite or a Rampage. We're getting a you know ten fifteen minute promo. I know some of it sets up the rest of the night, but do you think like some of that nowadays could be you know tightened up a little bit? Oh yes, our if it were too rarely did we have interviews that went two minutes. Uh, uh, the Four Horsemen, you had too many out there. Yeah, it probably. Went too much. Uh, a minute thirty, you know, because I guess we looked at in a excuse me television commercial. You look at what they do in thirty seconds. You know, so we said you need to be able to do that in thirty seconds. You know, and so you let them, you know, squeeze it uh, a little bit. But the the interviews that we would cut at WRAL had to fit into a a minute slot or a minute 30 slot. If you were lucky, you might have a two-minute slot every now and then. So 
you know, those, but the, the, the ad lib, you know, yeah, we had, uh, at the, the live tapings, we probably, yeah, we try to hold them, you know, max two minutes. The others, because later on at WCW, when, you know, towards the end, it, our shows became all talk. What happens is you, you lose the audience. You lose the, the audience in the building. You know, they come there, and, and you know, especially because you're taping two hours, they get bored, and they have kids. They go home. You know, it just, it, even though you might have a video screen, they're not, they're not here to sit and watch. They want to yell and scream, and, and that wasn't happening. You know, uh, yeah. interview for, I think, I think the interviews need to be shorter. I think if you put up, put the talent under more pressure to get the job done in a shorter period of time, you'd probably have better interviews. You know, that stress helps to me. Well, well, it kept everything tighter and I think focused too. I know some of it, they're, you know, they're just trying to fill the segment to get to the quarter hour and that does set up angles, but it's like it could just be done so much quicker. Because I, when I went back and looked at some old interviews, like I think a Piper's Pit, and I was like, wait a minute, that was like a minute. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you know, the fl- it, you know it, it wouldn't drag. No, no. You know, it, if you if you let it for a long time, it's going to drag. They're going to repeat, and you don't want to repeat. But you had guys you like Rick who could talk. You know, Dusty obviously. Uh, you know, I mean, those who could do it. I mean, you know, Nikita Koloff or you know some of the other guys. Uh, you know, are they had mouthpieces like uh, you know like Jim Cornette because uh, you know Stan or, or Bobby or you know Dennis. Those guys weren't. You know, they get a line in, but it was Jim. Bob, Bobby Eaton. I did an interview with him one time. It was a hoot. That was one of those things. He didn't know I was going to stick the mic in front of his mouth and ask him questions. Dude can wrestle, though, man. He was one of my favorites to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think people... I understand just how good that guy was and so smooth in the ring and just coming off that top rope, dropping the leg. Or, ah, yeah, he, he was one of my favorites. And we went, you know, solo and everything. And uh, after, uh, you know, Cornette and the company left, and it was just like, yeah, like, yeah. you know, put the title on this guy. I think he had the TV title, but he was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to go back uh, to the 70s a little bit. Uh, there's something which I did not realize you were a part of this, uh, and you could talk about this as much as you like, um, was the plane crash in 1975. Oh, yeah. Um, I, and, I, and I didn't read, you know, all the names, and, I, you know, I've seen you know, various documentaries and everything else, but somehow I never associated your name with this, but you were in the plane crash that had uh, Ric Flair and, Johnny Valentine and uh, a couple others, and, and Mister Wrestling Tim Woods. Uh, right. What do you remember from that day? Because uh, I mean, I, I don't know if that's something you try to block out because of this how intense it was, or uh, the fact that you you walked away and nobody else really did for a while. Well, believe it or not, I don't try to block it out. I had a very bad head injury that 
a lot of it I don't remember. You know, I've been told, I've read the report, so I, I can, I wasn't supposed to be on the plane first place. My, my brother, Jimmy, was supposed to be there, but he called me. He said that he was sick and would I mind going to Wilmington? Well, sure. Uh, it was the Wilmington Soccer Association sponsors, and Eddie Godwin uh, was the the head of that, and what a fantastic person uh, he was, and, and his wife, Henrietta. And I go and I enjoyed being with him. It was outside at the football stadium, all the shows, and yeah. And I re- I remember I used to be in the Air National Guard, and it was Guard Weekend, and the Butler Aviation was right next door to the Air National Guard. I mean, they they used the same tarmac in a lot of ways. Saw so my man Major. Major Thompson there, and uh, the pilot was uh, Fargus, last name Fargus. Well, I saw him pull a little thing on the wing tank, and some fuel came out. And I just, I made this comment about, uh, I hope got plenty of fuel, just sarcastically. I, I knew he was checking the fuel to see if there was water in it. But uh, it was a Cessna 402 Charlie Alpha. It was a Cessna Navajo, which would carry a good payload. Uh, Johnny Valentine was sitting in the co-pilot seat. Tim Woods, Mr. Wrestling, was in front of me. Rick Flair was behind Valentine. Bob Bruggers, who used to play football for the Miami Dolphins, was sitting next to me. I was on... Uh, behind Tim Woods, so I was on the left-hand side of the plane, and Rick and Valentine on the, and Bruggers were on the right. Uh, the engine feathered, the right engine feathered around Florence, South Carolina, and Lumberton, North Carolina. Both of those places have airports. Why we did not land there, That's a good question. But I can tell you one thing, that when that right engine cut off, you could hear pin drop in that plane. Dead silence. Wow. Yeah, dead silence. And, and uh, Fargus would, you know, I don't, there again, I still don't know why we didn't. It wasn't that, it was only like a 45-minute flight, the most, Charlie to Wilmington. It was a, so we start going over river. My son um, was three weeks old. I'm trying to think, all right, I, we had knocked out. I mean, I'll get knocked out and I'm going, yeah, I don't want that because I'm looking at all this beef in front of me going, ah, oh, man. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, uh, and so I was bent. You know, I was bent over. You know, my head sort of in my lap, trying to control my breathing. I heard a buzzer, saw a 
station on the uh, the console or the center console, and that's it. Uh, my seat was the only seat in the plane that did not break loose. Wow. Yeah. Valentine talking to him afterwards. Yeah, he was. He thought he was pinned. He didn't realize that his back was broken. That you know he's basically paralyzed from ways down. That he thought metal had, you know, got him caught, and that they'd have to cut his, you know, cut his way out of it. Oh God! He and I were the last ones they took out of the plane. Uh, and, he, and I told him, I said, I wish I could remember. He said, David, be glad you don't. Because he said the the smell of fuel uh, was, you know, he was afraid that it was going to catch on fire and we'd burn. Uh, but the, from the report, when that engine, the left left side engine started sputtering over the Cape Fear, uh, he was trying to make it to a, a runway that was closed. And uh, he was going over. There's a county prison camp uh, sort of at the end of one of those runways. He came too close to the water tower. They said the buzzing and the light I saw was a stall warning. Oh. Tried to pull up, stalled the plane, missed the tower, and hit a railroad embankment. If he'd gotten past all that, we would have made that dirt area before we'd asphalt. But we didn't make it. So, uh, and and uh, Eddie Fargus, that was his name, the pilot, was a Vietnam helicopter pilot. And for him to die that way, we ran out of gas. Yeah, he, I think he was he was the only casualty in that. I mean, I know other guys were affected, but yeah, he was a person never wrestled again or did anything. He had a metal rod in his back. Yeah, Valentine he had to walk with braces and crutches. Rick broke his back, but came back. Tim Woods, he I went through his seat and broke ribs along his spine. He. Um... Yeah, I uh, had a horrible concussion, shattered several teeth on my right side, a lot of facial injuries, broke my right ankle and dislocated my shoulder. They didn't know I dislocated dislocated my shoulder until they tried to give me crutches to to get out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. This is my wife telling me. And my shoulder wasn't working. (laughs) So they looked, oh, he's got a dislocated shoulder. And they didn't realize my teeth were shattered because I had all these stitches around my mouth and face until, and I was complaining, my wife said I was complaining the whole time about anything hot or cold they would try to give give to me. I would scream. So when we finally got back, she had our dentist, our dentist called if there's anything you can do. And he said, yeah, he's complaining about hurting. Can you help us out here? And he finally got to look in. He said, oh, yeah, he's got about three teeth that are shattered, and they're just hanging there. So, yeah, those nerves. So, yeah. I'm glad I don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that is that is a very 
traumatic, you know, moment, and you know, especially with the guy running out of gas and passing all these places. You, uh, you mentioned oh. Tim Woods' uh, injury, uh, Mister Wrestling Two. He kind of saved the business, uh, some people say, because um, when he was in the hospital, because he was the only what uh, good guy at the time, the only face. He right. he claimed, and correct me if I'm this day, he was a promoter and not a wrestler because nobody knew. Who he and was he left he, that night. He left that night. He he drove left oh. the hospital that night. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and he actually, uh, I think he tried to try to wrestle or something. Uh, it's like two weeks later, from what I've yeah. seen in reports, which is insane. I mean, you still you're still bruised. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're still broken. You know, so I'm sure he, uh, they probably had to do a tag match. So yeah. somebody else did most of the work for him, would be my guess. How, how long? Yeah, I mean, how, when the when the rumors start circulating that like, hey, he was, you know, he was he was on the plane, he was on the plane. I mean, when did people start figuring it out? Well, you know, when they see him wrestle, they could say they had to say he wasn't on the plane. Yeah, you know, it, they, I. I've only seen photos of the crash. I don't think I've seen anything of uh, us being pulled out of the plane. Okay. I could be wrong. Uh, but I was goofy for, uh, my wife said, a good six months. Oof. Yeah. Every now and then she accuses me of going backwards. Well, I mean, you were seriously concussed. I mean, you, think, you, know, you, you know, going through, you know, yeah. all that. Yeah, her father was a pathologist in, in Augusta, and she was uh, worried about me. So we went down there, and he had a good friend that lived up the street, Nick Nichols, who was a neurosurgeon. And he came down, and, you know, I don't even remember any of this, but she said he, he talked to me, and... On a look, and he said, "Well, let's wait a couple more months, and if you know if he's still this way, then we'll shoot some dieting. But we don't want to do that unless we have to, because he said it's real, really painful. So luckily, they didn't have to." Man, what 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 an experience, and and just amazing the names that were that were on that plane. I mean, just yeah. Um, and speaking of one, so Ric Flair, uh, obviously knew the business at the time. When did you know that, you know, Rick was going to be a star? When did that became, you know, something where you're like, okay, well, this guy has something, you know, when, when it's time, I mean, did you know, or, you know, was it the guys, you know, the, you know, the committee, if you will, you know, um, uh, you know, what, it's, what it's that? Not, not, you know, they came, brought him in as an Anderson and, Rick came to us first as he wanted to be Ramblin' Rickus Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes was his idol. Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, and 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 Rick was, you know, he was he was up there as far as weight, three hundred plus pounds, I guess. Yeah, he was a bigger guy back then. Oh yeah, he was uh, uh, pretty good size, doughboy. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, Uh, it, his first interview, his wrestling, what we did, too, we put him, 
with all top wrestlers. So he learned from the best. And, you know, with Ole and Gene being, you know, uh, tagging with them, they they basically, you know, and he came from Vern Gagne. Yeah. But he, yeah, he had the basics down. And then once they, he did an interview, oh, my God. Yeah, that sarcastic laugh of his. You know, Gene never talked, of course. You know, Ole would talk, and, yeah. and they'd let uh, Rick. So that helped, helped him uh, to create, you know, you know, Ric Flair. And he progressed over time. He lived his gimmick. Just ask his ex why. <laughs> yeah. Ask the IRS. <laughs> is that something, because he's always... I guess humble bragged about that, but is is that something that um, you know you guys try to keep in check? You know, with him, um, you know, or even when like Turner, you know, bought everything and you know Rick was living the lifestyle. Was that something that like did anybody pull him aside, or could you not pull him aside because Rick was going to be Rick? Rick was going to be Rick. We tried. We tried several times when we owned the company to uh, help Rick with the IRS. But then that's when Rick started taking draws at the buildings. You know, Rick, you know, at a bar, you know, it wouldn't be anything for him to spend a thousand dollars, you know, to, for drinks, not just for, for everybody for, you know, and that was a big, to me, I hated all the leeches around him. You know, that that would be around him, so he would buy them dinner and Dom Perignon and oh, anything and everything. Was was, uh, was it the ladies he was going to try to hook up with, or was it just guys that were like, "Well, I'm a hanger on. I'll take you know sloppy seconds." Or... <laughs> both, both. <laughs> yeah, uh, the women. You know, he they they gave Rick what he wanted. Uh, let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's more the guys that were around him to, to, yeah, get his sloppy seconds and, and uh, to just, you know, do, I don't know. Wow. You know, uh, I, I, because I think, I mean, how much, when you were on the road, I mean, did you, how much of it did you see firsthand or was it stories where like maybe one of the agents was like, hey, you know, uh, Rick didn't get to bed till three o'clock. We got to, you know, get him up at seven. Oh, and, it's firsthand, firsthand. Firsthand, he would have he from the TBS shows you know, that Saturday morning. We uh, let's say we're going to uh, Baltimore, Baltimore Saturday night or Sunday. Uh, he would say, "Hey, I'm staying at the Marriott. All you girls, you know, <laughs> da da da, you know, and the hotel would love it, or it might be the Omni, you know, or if we were wrestling, or and even in Norfolk." Wherever he'd stay, he had to do promo. He would promote where he's staying to get the women there, and he'd have a suite and have a party. And Rick would be Rick, you know. Pretty, you know, he'd disappear, and he was famous for that. He'd disappear, and then all of a sudden, he'd come out with nothing on but his belt. 
you know, his championship belt. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah, other wrestlers would wear he, he would wear a robe, you know, every now and then. Yeah. And and uh, the things about him on the the plane, yeah. But you know you know, I saw I was on the plane with him from Atlanta to Hawaii. Oh Lord. That's a long flight. He, yeah, uh, long flight. We drank everything on the plate, and they started mix, mixing the cordials, I guess, just in this big picture, and passing it around. Did other wrestlers resent him because of his lifestyle, or because it's like, you know, not saying, "Hey, you stole my girl," but like, did they, you know, this or I can't compete with this? <laughs> uh, they wanted to. Earn the money he's earning, you know, to be to have the number one slot that he had. I just don't professional jealousy. Yeah, you know, to be number one. To did you? I think the recognition. Turner and you everybody knew Rick Flair, but they didn't know. Joe Smoke. Was it, was it yeah. Bill? Well, you bought that's UWF, and then you guys had that. You had like some times right. in the '80s when One he was champion, was and um, you know you you had you know, the title changes UWF. and stuff. Uh, Tommy Rich, uh, exactly. Ronnie Garvin, those decisions. Uh, and I was always a Ronnie Garvin fan. Um, yeah, you, you know, but I, he's tough. Uh, he, he didn't do it today. Job. And he killed <laughs> us as far as money. Yeah, the hands of uh, hands of stone is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill Watts, but like Bill those Watts decisions, right now, like right? to do him? those like changes, was right. that to yeah, give yeah, like Watts. Flair more reigns, or was it, you know, or just to kind of like, hey, I, we're gonna try this for a little bit, you it. know, give you a break uh, and then come back? What was like the, the process a, behind I those didn't see changes? It working for us, you know, Jimmy and Dusty wanted to move to Dallas. Well, I was trying to, you know, wow, you know, and help Georgia see what the Bill Watts deal you had to take over. Find a lease for this. Garvin was this building in Dallas. Oh, I can't remember what it's been the reason that he did Garvin. Yeah, and he went to Detroit. Think, too, that so. was the beginning of the Are end. You, yeah, dividing the company. I'm trying to re, uh, remember why. And you know, uh, the office in Dallas and the but, office uh, in Charlotte. But nobody else wanted it, right? Work. Which shocked me because there's always stories like, well, yeah, you know, this guy turned down. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm you know, I realized like, the ah, Dallas thing. I'm no, kind of surprised that you know, um, they didn't sell the oh, no, no, class no, everybody would want it. Fritz didn't okay. have the money, or maybe he no, didn't want to do it. No, didn't have everybody. Uh, Jim Ross, very Jim few Ross people. Thought, you know, Jim Ross would can back it uh, up with Bill. Yeah. And you think about the travel. Jim wanted a schedule to announce the wrestling schedule. Nothing against Jim Ross. I mean, Jim was out for jail. He kept on. You can't pull in Vince saying Vince is going to buy it. Vince is going to buy it. Found out this was qualification. No, are they going to go wrong? Because Watts was going to go belly up. Financially, he just could not. I've seen Rick wrestle for an hour. Doing it. Wrestle for an hour. So he, you know, how many people can do that? I go back. We didn't do our due diligence. How many people can do that? We did, and also make it entertaining for that long. Yeah, we didn't do that. Yeah, you had you had. Uh, yeah, because it, it can change pretty quick after that. I mean, because you had some guys come in. And, and, uh, yes, to me, and, and, and that's when uh, you have to check him to see if he's breathing. Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> uh, he left for Vince. Then came with us. Yeah, yeah, he was a different animal. 
Yeah, the, uh, one man gang. Well, I think briefly, you right? You had him, you right? Have, uh, That's Flair, correct. You know, uh, and, uh, and Garvin. Yeah, you know, one man gang. One, you know, it, you know like, well, we have Flair win a title. His style of wrestling wasn't working that well with ours. Now there's a chance that you know, yeah, we were a faster pace. Yeah, it's better for someone. Yeah. definitely worked. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when he the, the transition to the surfer gimmick, it was you know, it worked. Yeah, out. and and Rick, Rick. You know, he and he told us, he said, I can do something with him. The same with Steamboat. Steamboat, he saw in Atlanta and when he was world champion, and he said, I can do something with Steamboat. He's just sort of sitting down there. And he also brought Iron Anderson to us. Uh, Iron was at uh, Mid-South, and, and he said, this guy's just like Gene, you know, as far as – and Ole, as far as he could talk, he could wrestle, and he'll even look like an Anderson. Yeah. Uh, man, what an error. Uh, did you, how hurting was it to lose um, Arn and Tully to WWF? Uh, that was after. After you sold. Uh, after we sold. So I wish them the very best. I thought that, you know, they would, you know, do well, but they really didn't. They they lasted a while, but they they it. You know they were not the style that Vince was looking for. No, uh, which is a shame because Dang and I, I always I enjoyed their matches in NWA, and I I enjoyed their WWF matches like against the Hearts. I mean, you know, the right opponents who wrestled and wasn't too gimmicky. I thought it worked out. You know, but not every case, but, but you know. No, you know, and Vince was looking, you know, he cha- he wanted younger wrestlers. He wanted G ratings. Uh, he was looking at the, and he's done a good job marketing, you know, to kids to, yeah, I mean, look at the company today. Yeah, yeah, okay. I know people are like, oh, it needs to go back to PG-13. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand how much money this <laughs> that they make yeah. from what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's like, mm, no, it's like, you know, go back to the ice cream bars and the merch and this yeah, and that. He, I mean, he, he, yeah, his, and also with Turner, we could match him as far as production quality, but right now nobody can match him. No, no. The, the production of the promos alone or the packaging, it's just like, oh I'm, yeah. I, I'm like, I, I, man, like, I mean, I do stuff here at the radio station, but like, I, it's like, God, what I would give to, you know, it's inspiring just to create something like that. That, um, uh, that yeah, that was a time. And I know with the, you know, the, the growth of the eighties and everything, and, you know, more money leads to more opportunities. And you guys had to sell off. They, they let you stay though for a couple of years. Uh, is that the deal that you worked out? And, and by the way, why I was had, it? Yeah. And why I was it Ted a, Turner? Why was it Ted Turner and maybe not somebody else? Was there somebody else on the table that could have bought it, or was it? Did Ted say, "I want this. Let me have this." Oh, Ted said, "Either you sell to me, or I'll kick you off the station, and I can stand it longer than you can." So that's why I said first big fish, small fish. Yeah, he and he saw the potential, but then I go back to what we I said earlier. He was the only one at Turner Broadcasting that wanted us. You know, he was such a visionary. I mean, look at what he did. You know, with TVS. 
you know, here's a guy that saw a little blurb about an uplink, and boom, you know, uh, he puts TBS on on the satellite, and uh, he creates America's team, and and you're off and running. Yep. Yeah, you know, and and his philosophy was okay. If I get a nickel for every house I pass by on cable, if I create another channel, I get another nickel. And so on and so on. And then he said, if you're number one for that in that hour, I get two cents for that hour. So, you know, here we dominated four hours on CBS. So, you know, he was, we were a moneymaker for him. You know, the, the, the Ford didn't understand that. They were looking at the social stigma of wrestling. You, you, you think it's crazy, but that's it—the social stigma. It, it, it's so, always there. <laughs> yeah, but today, in most cases, it's not. Yeah, you look. You look at Vince's training camp. That people from all over the world see this as a young people as a way to make a lot of money in a short period of time if you can make it. Yeah. And that you know, and that's a big if. Are are there guys uh, that you um, you know worked with that you hoped, and you know, I guess at this point you can mention names um, that you hoped went on the bigger things, and maybe it didn't work out. I mean, I know Magnum Tia had the car accident. I've interviewed him uh, a couple of months ago. Great guy. Uh, you know, he was going to be the guy, and then obviously, oh yeah, he he had he. Had- he had it all. Camera loved him. His interviews with rival Rick and Roddy Piper, uh, and his work ethic in the ring. Uh, he had all the tools. Plus, he had Dusty. <laughs> Dusty loved him, you know, as a brother or a son. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, he, heir apparent, and and. We lost it. That that was a big blow, big blow. Was there anybody else that uh, you saw that you know, you know just fizzled out, or maybe you know they just their head wasn't? It's like ah, I can't do this, or you know the, the the road got to be too much for them, or they got distracted, and you know they'd show up and give you twenty percent instead of you know. Barry Windham, Barry Windham would be one. Yeah, he self exploded quite a few times. Here he had all the talent in the world, and uh, when he'd get close to the top, we're pushing him, he'd just go off somewhere. You know, but uh, I don't know what it was with him, but, you know, it just didn't click. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame with his, uh, his son passing. is uh, That's a tough one. Oh, yeah, yes. Definitely. I mean, it's just a very unique uh, character and individual, and um, that's just uh, yeah, that that one just hurt because that was just you'll never see oh, something. Scott Hall, like Scott Hall, ah, Scott Hall. Even though uh, he did well at WWF, you had he, he self destructed Diamond Stud. I think that was a gimmick, right? The Diamond Stud or something. I know that was the yeah, Dallas Page, yeah. but he was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that you know Page, what that, that it, Page, Page is, you know, 
page is worth more now with his <laughs> videos, DDP, than he ever was with wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, 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 with his yoga and everything, it, it is incredible what, uh, yeah. he, how he's transformed everything. And a lot of people look up to him, Jake Roberts. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and you know Scott for a while. I know that you know obviously the pandemic was not um, didn't help Scott, and uh, you know it's, it's... yeah. I, I I saw Jake uh, this summer, and he's going around without the oxygen, uh, and it, he credits you know he credits DDP. Wow, you know, and the, the yoga and what he did for him because I remember you know. Uh, he was doing a. I was down there doing some interviews with Tony Schiavone, and he was doing a, a podcast with uh, DDP. And about every minute, he had to go out and take a, hook his oxygen out, oh, and man. also smoke a cigarette. You know, but yeah. Wow. Is there any matches back then that, you know, you booked or a concept, I mean, or I should say a match that you wish you booked, uh, and then I'll flip it over, the match you wish you didn't book or did book that you're like, wait, 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 let me rephrase that. Give me a match you wish you booked that maybe somebody else put on, and the one that you regret putting on is going, oh, my gosh, this was a mistake. Oh, Lord. <laughs> put you on the spot. I guess – I'd have to look at the book and see. But yeah, there's a, you know, a night where you're like, "Oh, we're gonna have this the, guy the fight." Fan, the guy. fans, the fans dictated uh, what was good and what was bad <laughs> at the gate, <laughs> and we booked some bad ones. You could tell, you know, if if it wasn't good, they, you know, they're they're the barometer there. Yeah, that you might you might think I've got the best match in the world, but. Uh, they go, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, every, every organization goes through that because, you know, just, or just the crowds of silence. Like, okay, this is our our bathroom break. You know, because there was guys that, you know, before the Rougeos were heels, like nobody cared. They were right. apathetic as you know, baby faces. Nobody cared. You know, there's just guys that were never over. And it's like, ah. Uh. I'd like to have seen Macho and Ric Flair in early days, if that makes any sense, before corporate. Yeah. Oh, there would have been you know, blading. That, you know, yeah, that, <laughs> it, uh, at the height of their charisma. You know, Macho Man was, ah, he, funny guy. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and he had, he had, a, he had a gift. He did. It was not her gift of gab. Uh, you know, you mentioned yeah. that era. Um, there's talks, and, and maybe you can confirm this or you can deny this, like in 88, that there was a chance that Ric Flair could have, like, showed up at SummerSlam or something like that. Was there, like, you know, time? He could have. He could have. You know, went once. Well, matter of fact, you know, when Turner bought us, yep. uh, Jim Hurd came in, and, and, man, you know, Jim Hurd was a – <laughs> Ex Navy guy or something. He was trying to be military with these guys. Come on, you can't. It's like hurting cats. Yeah. You know, with these wrestlers. And he tried to, you know, I guess you would say bully Rick, and that didn't help. So Rick left. He took the belt and left. 
I, I remember that. Yeah, right. Went uh, to Vince. He went to Vince. Nineteen ninety. I heard find him or sued him for forty five thousand dollars or something. That was. Vince, yeah, Vince probably joke. played that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but it never it never panned out. Well, but did he yeah, almost leave? That was 1991. Did he almost leave in 88? Because there was always talks that, like, I think the, he, he might have been talking to Vince about, um, about you know, going to SummerSlam or something. Was that a possibility? Is that something you heard? or Not that I know of. I know that Rick was very loyal to us. I, he fought, you know, when the Turner thing came about, selling the Turner – I didn't want to sell. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to, you know, you name it, I would, I would do anything and everything not to sell, and Rick didn't want to go to Turner. He, he knew that he'd lose his freedom, so to speak. And so I was working on some other ways to have somebody else buy us, or invest in us, uh, Jim, Jim Babb, uh, Jefferson Productions. Uh, they wanted uh, to do something with us, uh, and that was a distinct possibility there. But just wasn't enough time to do that. And that would have been great because Jefferson Production was, uh, you know, they did everything ACC. You know, and so they had the trucks, they had the production facility, you name it, they had it. Wow. Yeah, that'd have been perfect. But yeah, uh, I don't see. Uh, I don't see Rick really fitting in with Vince. Vince is wanting to be more G-rated, or even. Rick yeah. is even past PG rating. You know, I think he couldn't control him. You know, Rick's, you know, Rick prevents the script, Rick's match and his interviews. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been Not interesting. It would have been interesting if that happened then, just that era, you know, that what we could have had or. Yeah. Know. Yeah. When, when well, did Dave, you... I hate to I hate to see this, Dave. I've got to I've got a doctor's appointment. Okay. Crap. All right. All right. I, yep. Two quick questions. Please go ahead. Uh, two quick questions. Yeah. Uh, when did you get out of the business? Leave WCW. Was that from Jim Hurd or was that uh, um, Bill Watts I coming left. back in? No, I le- I was there until the bitter end. Oh, so you, uh, so you stayed I, on board. I was always I was always the guy, the Mikey. You know, give it to Mike, he'll make it work. Okay. Jim Hurd, uh, I was I took him digital. I ended up vice president of production, television production. Oh wow. Yeah. That uh when Eric when Bill Shaw because Bill Shaw, when he took over, I interviewed for executive vice president. Okay. And, and he started laughing. He said, David He said, What's your name? I said, David Crockett. He said, Well, you answered my question right there. Your last name is Crockett. You cannot be executive vice president. I went, oh, okay, I understand now. He can't have a Crockett doing that. He said, I got this young guy, Eric Bischoff, that I won't do this, and you need to 
watch his back and help him in every way. You know the pitfalls. You know where our bodies are buried. I said, okay, Bill, I'll help him any way I can. And that's, so I was there until the coup with, of Eric. And then when AOL, well, when WWF yeah. bought us, that's, that's when I left. Okay. Wow. I always thought it was the early 90s, so yeah. my apologies. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. And one I of the, was always behind uh, behind the scenes, <laughs> behind the scenes. And one other question, because I know AEW came through, I guess Charlotte recently, and I think I guess I saw you were at a taping. Your impressions of AEW? You said earlier it was micromanaged. Um, how yes. ca- how can they grow? I mean, what do they need to do? I uh, they need uh, Tony Khan needs to let people that know what they're doing do it. He needs to let Tony Schiavone do his thing. He's got very qualified people there. He needs to program the television. You know, they blow it off. They do it one week, they blow it off the next week. Yeah. Well, you know, you can stretch it out for at least six weeks. <laughs> stretch it out from pay-per-view to pay-per-view. You know, you blow it off in a pay-per-view, but you also do something at the pay-per-view. It takes it out of that into the following weeks. You, you well, got to run parallel lines. Yeah, long, long, long-term booking, not a thing. You guys, you know, probably had it all, you know, figured out, you know, well, well right. in advance. I mean, look at Greensboro and Starcade. We knew what we were going to do coming out of one Starcade, sort of to the other, as far as a general idea, as far as as talent. Yeah. Of course, you you can massage that, but you have a plan. Yep, and work backwards. Yeah. Awesome. And, and uh, thoughts on Jim Cornette because he's still active in the well, podcast world and stuff. I love him. I love him. <laughs> I love him. Oh, there's another one. He is constant. Constant. You kind of wish you didn't get away, you know, when you when you had him. Yes. Yes. Constant. Loving. Awesome. David Crockett, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Are you coming to town December 2nd? Uh, the Masonic, uh, Norfolk Masonic Temple, VCW, a big night for George Pantis. His retirement, you're going to be there, photo ops, posing with the microphone. Man, you are a freaking legend. I am so glad to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time. Dave, uh, thank you so much, and I'd love to do it again. Man, sometimes you, you just don't get enough time. Uh, hopefully, I can get David Crockett back on again. We, we covered 90 minutes. And, uh, you know, we, we went as a deep dive as much as you can. I, I learned so much stuff about the uh, plane crashes. One of the things I, I didn't realize he was in it because he really never gets mentioned uh, because obviously Flair was in the crash, you know, Johnny Valentine and, you know, and Mr. Wrestling being in that and, and, and that whole story. That is just insane. But I didn't know the injuries that, uh, that David had with that. And he explained that as well. And just, just the background, man. I mean, this guy needs to write a book. There's so many stories in there, the territory days and everything else. And uh, I appreciate him being on. And he's coming to town doing photo ops. That is going to be December 2nd. And that is at the Norfolk Masonic Temple. That's off of Granby Street. Virginia Championship Wrestling presents Tidings of Destruction. Doors 630, showtime 730. I got a pretty cool card for that show as well. And, uh, of course, uh, the big match. That's going to be for all the marbles, if you will, but considering that both guys are managed by the same guy. Yes, yeah, Sol Esperanza, 
He's taking on the Hoss of all Hosses, Devontae's. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. For the VCW Liberty Championship, those guys are going to be taking on each other. And uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, Neil Sharkey manages both guys. But how is he going to handle that in the title match? Decisions, decisions. Will Saul get his uh, first taste of a championship gold in VCW? Uh, by the way, tickets are available through VCWProWrestling.com. And you got photo ops going to be available that night. I go with David Crockett posing by the ring apron with the microphone as he's interviewing the fan. And again, that's uh, December 2nd, vcwprowrestling.com. More information and tickets. And that's at the Mixonic Temple in Norfolk. Uh, that is going to be a good time. I got to make it out to that one. Uh, George Pantas, uh, longtime VCW commissioner. Uh, dude, I, I've seen him many wrestling shows uh, retiring from the bits. But do people really retire in wrestling? I don't know. This could be it for George. He's been doing it for a long, long time. And that dude's got quite the, uh, the trip uh, down memory lane. Uh, thanks for checking us out. Eat, sleep, podcast, repeat. You can find us on the web, fm99.com, 1069thefox.com, under the media tab. Many different podcast apps, uh, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple, uh, many different places. Search ESPR Wrestling. You'll find us somewhere as we, we're in many different podcast apps. And, uh, of course, uh, Facebook and Twitter, ESPR 99. Uh, thank you for checking us out. Uh, again, check out some of our older episodes. Uh, if, if you love the old school wrestling, the Magnum TA episode was great. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, we talked uh, a lot of stuff, uh, 70s, 80s. Absolutely outstanding. Thanks for joining us. My name is Dave Taylor. And as always, make sure you eat, sleep, podcast, and repeat. Have a great day, everybody.